Welcome to the Four Sportsmen of the Apocalypse podcast, a sports podcast created by four average guys, boredom, and a global pandemic. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Penny, Ryan, and Crom. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. We are the Four Sportsmen. As always, I am joined with Dr. Ryan Jones. Mr. Brandon Crom. And Alexander Penny. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, so as always, we'll start off with our quick news. Um, first one in here is Julian Edelman retiring um, as a New England Patriot. There was like a, a bunch of talks about him being in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that's going to happen. He's not really like a superstar wide receiver. So what? Well, you think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame? 1,000%. He has three Super Bowl wins, uh, was a seventh-round draft pick, overcame a ton of odds, dra- like came into the draft as a quarterback, realized he had to change. Uh, three Super Bowls is the absolute epitome of the Patriots. I hate the Patriots, and this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's he, just no he, way. He used Super Bowls, but unfortunately, like 90% of the Patriots players have like four or five Super Bowl wins. So No way. This guy is quintessential to some of those Super Bowl wins. And uh, If he was quintessential, they would have got more wins than they did this year without Tom Brady. What he didn't are play you this talking year, about? He didn't play. He was hurt. That's why he retired. <laughs> A knee injury. You, you can't talk hockey and you can't talk football. It's really bad <laughs> when you have these awful takes. So... I'm going to go in there. So if you're going to put Julian Adam in the hall, do you put Santonio Holmes in the hall? Look at their career numbers. They're almost identical. I don't know. Who's, what, who's Santonio who's Holmes, Steelers wide receiver. He won that insane MVP catch. How many Super Bowls did he win? Cardinals. I think, I think he's got two. two. But do you put him in the hall as well? They have almost How many Super Bowls did he win? Almost the identical Super Bowl. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about. You just put Calvin Johnson in the Hall of Fame without any Super Bowls. There's a difference. There's a. You're talking about just guys getting in because of their stats. I'm talking about this guy gets in because of what he meant to those teams. Hundred percent difference. Won a Super Bowl MVP. Won a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl. One. Are you putting him in the hall too? Then absolutely not. I didn't. Are we talking about Santonio Holmes? No, we're talking about Julian Edelman, seventh round pick, came in was supposed to be a quarterback, couldn't play quarterback in the NFL, and has had a, what, 12, 13-year career, was quintessential to some of those Super Bowl wins in terms of his production, and just big-time catches in those games. There is three or four wide receivers where if you pull up identical like numbers, the regular season stats, they're I'm not stats, disagreeing about stats. I, am I know, but you're, you're saying he was quintessential to the Super Bowls, but you have four or five guys – that basically on paper, when you go to vote for them, are going to look identically the same. I guarantee and you that you have, Julian Edelman at some point gets in the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't see it because then you have four guys that haven't been included yet where you're going to be like, okay, well, these guys are out, but Edelman's in. I just, I, I don't see it. He's, he, yes, he was a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, but he was not one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see I, it. I'm not saying he's the greatest of all time. I'm saying he is absolutely a big part of that Super Bowl dynasty run that the Patriots mm-hmm. had. But that's and what the Hall that's of going Fame to win for. him, and that's going to win him votes. And plain and simple. But that's what the Hall of Fame is for: is for the greatest, it's the greatest players of all time. And unfortunately, I just don't see Edelman as the greatest player of all time. He's definitely better than Santonio Holmes. So I'll put it there. Well. <laughs> The, hey, stats say, the stats say different. On paper, the stats say different. Now talk about stats. 
Hey, there's a 70% chance Gronk said that he comes to play for Tampa Bay. 69% chance. 69. Nice. 69% chance. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, also in the NFL, we got uh, Britt Reed charged with the DUI or a DWI, I guess. Uh, former chief assistant Brett Reed is uh, also the son of head coach Andy Reed has been charged while intoxicated for a crash that seriously injured a five-year-old girl. That's big news. That's uh, that's super shitty. And especially for someone like Andy Reed in his position, I don't know how the, I don't know how he's going to play that off, but I mean, I get it's his son, but it's still a shitty position when it's your kid. First time it's happened either. Yeah. He did it when he was 22 years old. So <laughs> What, what else? You, what else you put Andy Reid? He's already done it once, and his kid does it again. I know it's quite a few years later, but still. Listen to this. He was going 84 miles an hour with a blood alcohol concentration level of 0.113. That was two hours after. It was probably higher. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, look, was, this uh, this hits home pretty close to me. I've got a five-year-old daughter. Um, this is disgusting. Yeah. Um, the girl may never recover. Uh, some of the injuries included, uh, I think it was a sc- fractured skull, brain contusions, hematomas. Um, you know, Britt Reed's going to get a slap on the wrist. It's, I think the 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 uh, sorry, the uh, charges could lead him to a one to seven years. So we all know where that's going to go, and, and a ten thousand dollar fine. This girl will never have a normal life again. The family will never have a normal life again. And uh, it just goes back to the fact that uh, we were talking about a few weeks ago where uh, athletes and those of, 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 of association in athletics have a completely different um, level of standards. I don't know what the punishment should be. So if anybody's going to ask me that, I don't have the answer. Um, but you're talking about a, a girl who is going to have struggles for the rest of her life and a guy who's going to maybe sit one year in prison and, and, and have a $10,000 fine. Um, it's gross. I, I got nothing else to say on it. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Um, we'll move over to the NBA. Uh, Steph Curry passes Wilt Chamberlain for the Golden State Warriors leading scorer all time. That's huge. Wilt Chamberlain being one of the greatest NBA players ever holds numerous records in the league still to this day. Um, yeah, but Steph Curry is also a different breed. A lot of that comes from three-point shooting. <laughs> well, and Back six extra seasons. Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, just, yeah, well, it freak of nature, but no, good for Steph. This is uh, not to take away from him. He's he's an unreal player. He's changed the game um, as we see it today, and he'll be one of the greatest and always remembered as one of the greatest as well. I mean, Steph's out, like, uh, he's unreal. I saw a stat earlier today where so far in the month, I believe he has more three-pointers than three NBA teams with all of their players combined. Like, it's it's insane. I mean, like you said, he changed the game. The, the game has shifted to a more, let's take threes from out on range. Like, let's try to run up the score as high as we can with as many threes as we can. Who saw that shot he made last night, too, with, like, that hook? from over his head while getting fouled again three-pointer out of nowhere like Steph's he's he's unreal um it's great that we get to watch him and LeBron at the same time but yeah congrats to him like the difference in Will Chamberlain's style of basketball back in the day was like the big guys got the work done 
and now it's just agility and speed and who can shoot the longest three-pointer from half court like it's it's crazy it'll be interesting to see where the record finalizes that too right like it's i think steph curry's 33 he's probably got what five plus years more of of high quality basketball especially with the type of game he plays he's not a big you know drive to the paint and, and get hacked and slashed and stuff um He's definitely a sharpshooter, so it'll be interesting to see. It could be one of those records for a team that just never gets broken, frankly. Oh, exactly. I thought the same thing when I saw that record. But you know what? Steph Curry, all power to him. He is a phenomenal basketball player. He has definitely changed the game. And hopefully the borders open up so I can go down and watch one here shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll quickly touch on uh, touch on the Masters here. I apologize. I'm going to penny the crap out of this name. Ryan, please. Yes, do it. Do it. It's Hideki Matsuyama. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say, I was jumping all over that one, too. If it, it started to go south, I was jumping. Everybody, Ryan, stop talking. I'll do it for you. Hideki Matsuyama. <laughs> Um, he is the first Japanese-born man to win a major. Not only just a major, he won the Masters. So that is a huge feat. Good for him. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of it myself, but uh, I heard it was unreal. Yeah, not a whole lot else to say other than congratulations. He's now the winningest Japanese golfer on the PGA Tour. I think he now has six career wins as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it just it continues to show that the world has kind of caught up in terms of golf dominance. Um, you know, the, it used to be the, the U.S. ran the show. And now, um, you, you know, you've got Matsuyama, you've got Rory, you've got, um, oh God, there's, there's too many to name. There's, there's just a ton of uh, international golfers that are, are, are clearly taking, taking the, the world by the storm. And the U.S. still has some really great quality guys, Dustin Johnson, Brayson DeChambeau. Um, golf is in a great state, especially with uh, the possibility that Tiger never golfs again. So... Well, and, and on kind of on that part there, like everybody knows that Tiger kind of runs golf and kind of runs how things go, like the ratings go up, all of this stuff, especially in the U.S. And having Hideki win the Masters, you maybe see a spike in viewership over across the pond and, and in the, uh, the Asian culture. And you might, yeah, that might kind of shelter some of the blow of Tiger having to retire because now you have a superstar over there who's going to drive ratings in uh, in asia so that's awesome it's it's going to be huge and you're going to see this push the u.s a little bit more because now they have a guy who's not from the u.s winning the masters and asian players are only going to get better and better because it gets more spotlight on the sport and and here we go this this should be good and yeah it'll be good for golf too to get some tv ratings up as well well how crazy was it that half the big names in the u.s didn't even make the first cut oh i know that's crazy not as big as news as it was in the past. Um, you got guys missing cuts all the time. That course is hard. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, average golfers here probably would have shot 40 over around. So, um, yeah. Happy but. faces and smiley faces, man. That's Happy my- faces and smiley faces. <laughs> where we get to. Yeah, yeah. Where's the beer cart? That's my kind of golf right there. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll move into the, uh, the main event here. We'll go to the NHL trade deadline recap, winners and losers. Um, we'll go over each trade. Uh, how we felt about each each trade and see who uh, who we thought was a winner or a loser. Uh, first one here we got is the Capitals acquire Anthony Mantha uh, from the Red Wings for Jacob Vrana, Richard Panic, 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. I'll start with Cromer on this one. 
So I, I view Anthony Mantha as a winner here. Uh, he gets out of Detroit. Detroit's kind of a, a graveyard right now. They're in full-blown rebuild. Uh, so he gets out of there. Uh, my loser is Jacob Vrana because now he has to go back the other way. And I know everybody's kind of begging on the caps here, but Manta's got four goals and an assist in his first couple games with them. Um, I know they gave up a lot, but if you listen to everything coming out of Washington, they were going to have re-signing issues coming up for Verana. He was, uh, I think he's an RFA, and then he also has arbitration rights too. So uh, that cap hit, there. I mean, I think they're right on the cap line, and for them to have to re-sign him is going to be a challenge and then they're going to end up losing him for nothing. So instead they package him and they get Manta who maybe can come out and kind of, he doesn't have to be the superstar number one go-to center. And now he can be a number two and he can just kind of play and maybe develop a little bit more and turn into a 30, 40 goal guy. Well, and good for the Red Wings for getting a pretty much a haul for Manta too, right? Like this trade is a masterpiece from Steve Eisenman. So He's got a ton of war chest draft picks for the Red Wings rebuild and uh, Verena is kind of the centerpiece of that. So good for them. Yeah, I can, I agree on it that uh, with Krom there, that Manta I see is a definite winner, but I also see the Red Wings winning as well. I mean, they get a couple of good, good draft picks out of it to start rebuilding that team. That's been in a doghouse for a few years and yeah, uh, then the losers is anyone who goes to the Red Wings is going to be a loser in this trade because <laughs> you're literally in a team that is in a full rebuild and they've got a lot to figure out before they are good anytime soon. So, Yeah, I had the Red Wings as the winner here. Um, Anthony Mantha is a fine player, but he seemed to be on the fence about being part of that team and wanted to play there for some time now. He's been in the rumor mill for a while. Uh, Brenna's younger and still fits the rebuild time frame. Panic gives you some good depth and value. Um, and they get another first round pick to continue their rebuild path. So yeah, I went with the Red Wings as a winner here. Uh, number two, we got the Florida Panthers acquire Sam Bennett and a 2022 sixth round pick from the Flames for Emil Heineman and a 2022 second round pick. Penny, I'll start with you on this one. Man, I see this a win for both teams. I mean, Bennett gets Bennett gets his change that he's wanted. Um, and Florida also gets a six-round pick out of it. And the Flames get a second that was their first round. And they get a young, you know, young prospect. I don't see anything wrong with this. It's a win both ways for me. Yeah, I look at it as more just a win for Sam Bennett. Look, uh, it sucks that the highest drafted Calgary Flame ever didn't pan out here. Uh, but I don't think he fully got a great opportunity with how he's kind of rushed into it a little bit. I think it would have been nice to let him season a little bit. Um, but he gets to go to a team that's in a playoff fight. He looked great the other night in his debut. Two assists, five hits in fifteen forty, uh, playing with Jonathan Huberto and uh, Anthony DeClaire. And uh, I definitely will be watching to see how he uh, pans out over the next few years. Yeah, and I, like so, I have uh, I have the Flames and Bennett both as winners, and Bennett wanted out. I know once Sutter kind of took over, he was a little bit happier here. Uh, the Flames kind of, I think they got probably the most they could get for Bennett. I know, I don't know what his trade value was, but there was no way they were getting another first round pick for him. Um, but to get two seconds, that's actually not that bad. Um, I mean, for me, I just, I don't know how Florida 
Florida is kind of my loser here because you give up two seconds. I think they probably could have maybe the Flames probably would have taken two thirds for him to be honest, or a second and a third. Um, so I don't know what Heineman is and what he's bringing to the table because if he turns out to be a good, good, like a solid player, then then the the Florida's kind of the loser here. But um, yeah, for Bennett, uh, for somebody who's struggled as long as he has, and uh, um, it's just too bad. It's kind of runs into that issue with the, you know, you can't go from the CHL um, in your last year in your second last year to, to the AHL, you have to play out in the CHL. You can't play in the AHL where, cause Bennett dominated his, I guess his last year of major junior, he, he dominated and there was no real step up for him. And he should have maybe bridged that gap over to the AHL for a year instead of going right into the, uh, the flames, the flames NHL team. He should have had at least one year in the organization to, to learn how to play, but it is what it is. He got rushed along and kind of struggled. So. Yeah, like Ryan said, at least he's on a team now where they're a contender for the playoffs this year, which is huge. Um, he'll add some complete level to their lineup as well. Um, the Flames get the two second-round picks. Heineman was taken number 43 overall last year. So overall, I think the Flames uh, did come out a little bit on top for the on this one. Uh, but good job for Sam Bennett because at least he's on a contending team, whereas the Flames are kind of uh, trending downwards continuously this year. Uh, number hey, does three, this make my Florida pick better? <laughs> Uh, we're not going to talk about your Florida pick. <laughs> uh, number three, we've got the, uh, the Avalanche acquire Carl Soderberg from the Blackhawks for Ryder Rolston and Josh Dickinson. Uh, the Avs also acquired Devin Dubnik from the Sharks for Greg Patron and a 2021 fifth round pick. I'll start with Ryan on this one. Uh, I have the Avalanche winning this. These are kind of mad trades when you look at them individually, but we think about the Avs as a team. This is kind of what they needed. They needed insurance at the goaltending position, uh, bottom six and depth, uh, bottom six forward and depth, and uh, they didn't really give anything up. So um, huge win, I think, for a Western Conference contender who is is probably going to be at least in the Western Conference final, if not the uh, the team from the West to uh, represent in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, they they sure up a couple things and they didn't have to give up any high class draft picks. So they got to hold on to those. And I mean, the losers, I think, are the Wild in San Jose because you saw some of the draft picks that were flying around for, I don't know, depth pieces or other things. And they didn't, uh, they didn't get to capitalize on any of that. So again, Sackick does a, a great job. I know everybody makes fun of him for being MIA for most of the year and just didn't auto accept on good trades, but he's uh, again, he did a, he did a good job and in, in picking up the players that he did not having to mortgage the future. Yeah, definitely. The trade looks better for the avalanche than it does for the Hawks, but at least it's not grossly imbalanced overall. And like Crom said, you're not giving away the farm draft pick wise for a half decent player. So I think the abs definitely take it on this one. Oh, and Soderbergh goes back to Colorado because he's already played there. So that's good, but they've always had that goaltending depth with Francois being out for God knows how long now. So picking up Dubnik, a reliable backup over Grubauer, is fantastic. Avs all the way on this one. San Jose, you suck. Get into rebuild mode. Stop being a <laughs> shit team. You suck. <laughs> uh, I don't like San Jose, so... Number four, we got the uh, the Golden Knights acquire Matisse Yanmark and a 2022 fifth-round pick. Blackhawks acquire a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick. 
Um, we'll start off with Penny on this one. Uh, man, the Golden Knights are the winners here. They get a nice, young, 28-year-old Matias Janmark, um, and they get him at half the salary because San Jose took the other half. Good luck at San Jose being the dummy losers again. Um, yeah, the Golden Knights need this. Uh, they, they're going to make quite of a good playoff run to give the Avs a good run. Um, that's it's not really much to this one. They didn't really give that much for him at a low cost. So, uh, This is the Dr. Jones meh of the episode. Um, <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> look, getting Yanmark isn't bad, but the Knights, I thought, needed to make a bigger swing. Uh, when you see some, what some of the other con- uh, contenders did, i.e. the Leafs, the Bruins, the Lightning, um, this just screams mediocrity and really, who cares? Yanmark's going to play in their bottom six. Um, I thought they could have done more. So if you want to call that a loser, I think the Golden Knights should have done better than Matthias Janmark. But, man. Yeah, I agree. He's, uh, like you said, he can play in the bottom six grinder role, but he's also been featured on the top lines in Chicago with Patrick Kane and company. But um, Janmark has been cold in the goals department as well this year. Uh, but so the Blackhawks are just terrible in general, so you don't really can't blame them. But overall, uh, Janmark was off to his best campaign production-wise of his five-season NHL career. So, um, like you said, kind of meh, but I think the Golden Knights definitely come out a little bit on top on this one. I, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think Janmark, Janmark's the winner because he gets to go to a, a full, full-blown full team that's ready to try to win now. Um, and he fits that Golden Knights style of play. He's, he's, he's a quick forward, and that's what they like. So, And then for losers, I mean, the Blackhawks get a second and a third. Um I mean, San Jose, I guess, maybe a loser for having to eat salary. But it's uh, on this part of it, I don't think anybody really lost. Janmark's nobody really won except for Janmark. Other than that, it, like Jones said, it's a, a meh trade. All right, on to the next one, we got the Oilers acquire Dmitry Kulkov from the Devils for a 2022 conditional draft pick. I'll start with Mr. Krom on this one. And first, Ryan's going to correct me on the name. No, I thought I was going to go first, but I oh, yeah, get it. No, 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 it's Crumb. No, you said that perfectly. You said Crumb. <laughs> uh, for me on this one, uh, I don't really know. This is kind of like, for me, it's a trade just to be involved. Hey, every it's trade deadline day. Let's just make a trade to make a trade, all right? That, cool. Uh, nobody's really a winner. Nobody's really a loser. This is just a trade to make a trade. Yeah, the uh, for me, the Oilers are a loser in this one. Um, when are they actually going to take their head out of the sand and get some help for their two superstars? Uh, it's a trend that continues to baffle me. Like you said, they're just getting involved to get involved. They're not giving anything up, not really getting anything back. Uh, and it just kind of shows me that the front office really isn't that creative. There were some other teams that were just in as much cap situation problems as the, as the Oilers are. Uh, look at the lightning and, and what they were able to pull off uh, with how little room they had. And uh, this was the best that they could come up with. So um, for a team, I, you know, nobody here, I would say really likes the Oilers because we're all, you know, Calgarians, but this is kind of just kind of embarrassing when you've got two of the best hockey players on the world and the, and the best you can do is uh, maybe a third pair defenseman, maybe. So yeah, this is last- a, this is an Edmonton lose all the way. Over the last ten years, the Oilers have shown how to how to waste first round picks' careers. So, 
Uh, the trade's fine. Kulikov was never going to get – he was never going to net a high draft pick from a team trading for a rental. Um, the Devils getting the conditional pick for the pick to move to third in 2022 if the Oilers win a playoff round is a nice touch. Um, it just gives Fitzgerald one extra asset to use down the line. Well, I've said the same thing. Eh, First-round draft picks like Yakupov go to die in Edmonton. I feel like this is going to be the same way. <laughs> oh, great. All right, um, we got the next one. we got the Penguins acquire Jeff Carter from the Kings for a conditional 2022 third-round pick and a conditional 2023 fourth-round pick. I will start with Ryan on this one. It's your turn, big guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jeff Carter is the winner for me in this one. Look, uh, this was probably way cooler like four or five years ago when <laughs> Jeff Carter was still really relevant. Um, but I like Jeff Carter, and this definitely gives him kind of that one more kick at the can with a team that's going to probably compete in the playoffs. Uh, something that definitely was not going to happen in L.A. this year. fact that both picks are conditional uh, with really only having one the, uh, to chance to convey. I don't think Carter re-signs if the rumors are true uh, that, that one of the picks needs to be a re-signed pick and then the other one they need to win a, for, uh, win a round in the playoffs. Uh, um, the Penguins also win because they didn't really have to give anything up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. It gives uh, gives Carter the one more run, gives Penguins some more depth, and uh, kind of might be the last kind of kick of the can for that group in, in Pittsburgh anyway. So Jeff Carter wins for me. I'll actually piggyback off that because he, he fits the bill of the big-bodied forward Hextall was seeking at the deadline. Um, he could play with the Penguins' top six or slide into a third center role when uh, Eugenie Malkin returns. Um, Pittsburgh had a few uh, picks or prospect to trade, and it wasn't looking like part of the significant roles before the deadline was going to help anyways. So, yeah, I like Carter. Carter's the winner in this one. I agree 100%. Carter's the winner. Um, and I, like I said, I don't really – I don't really see a loser. Uh, it obviously depends on what the conditional picks are, but yeah, Car- Carter's the winner. He gets gets to go for it one more time, but yeah, that's pretty much all that I got to add because you guys have touched on everything else that I had. So, Carter wins. Carter wins. Four-way uh, consensus. Good job, guys. No nerd. arguments here. No need to argue here. We love each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the next one, the uh, Boston Bruins acquire Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from the Sabres for a 2021 second round pick and Anders Bjork. I'll start with Penny. Everyone loses. I fucking hate this trade. <laughs> I don't like Taylor Hall to begin with. I think he's a. I don't. He's basically a piece of shit. He's always been rumored to be a cancer. I, I don't like him. And, you know, I, I do like the Bruins, so I hate that they made this trade because he's just going to fucking destroy that room, I feel, from all the chemistry that they have. And, yeah, Buffalo, yeah, you eat some of the salary, you get a second round, and Anders Bork. Um, I completely disagree. I think this is 50, a win for Taylor Hall. He is an extremely low-cost investment. He's been playing – way better in Boston than he has. With I just team. don't like Taylor Hall. That's that. I'm biased. Oh, I'm yeah, biased. Yeah, I do not like Taylor Hall at all. He scored more goals already in like, what is it? Three games. And he did in the entire time he was with the Sabre. Like it's crazy. Like he's playing way better. Oh, look at the team. The team's totally different. 
Oh, I know. It, I, it, uh, it might be giving him the opportunity to be the better player. Like, he's never really been like a... You're not going to reason with Penny he doesn't like Taylor Hall, the person. <laughs> so let's just move on from this point of the conversation. Look, the loser in this is the Buffalo Sabres. I hate to admit it. I went on record. I don't know what podcast episode was. And said that Taylor Hall was going to be part of the missing piece, that the Sabres finally make the playoffs. And I think I said Eichel was going to win the heart. Uh, wow, I am eating my hat. Uh, Eichel's done for the year. Hall played 37 games, scored two goals, had 19 points total. And the Sabres are yet again a disaster. See 18-game losing streak. Uh, fact that the Buffalo couldn't even get a first-round pick out of this and Hall is likely to stay in Boston from early reports. Uh, yikes, Buffalo. Yeah, that's – Boston's the winner here. Um, they barely had to give up anything. Uh, losers are the Sabres and Anders Bjork. <laughs> what, what straw did he draw to be, hey, man, you're going to Buffalo. Hold <laughs> 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 uh, on, but so like Buffalo couldn't fetch a conditional first or a second for if he resigns there or makes it so far. Like that's that's unreal. I just yeah. And poor Anders Bjork. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> All right, we'll move over to the uh Toronto Maple Leafs. I'll go over each deal here really quick and then we'll kind of just decide uh who the winners might have been here. So we got uh Dave Riddich going from the Flames for a 2022 third-round pick. Um, Stefan Noyson from the Sharks for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Uh, Nick Foligno from the Blue Jackets for a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022nd fourth-round pick. Um, ben Hutton from the Ducks for a 2022 fifth-round pick. And Riley Nash from the Blue Jackets for a 2022 seventh-round pick. Holy crap, that was a lot. <laughs> I'll start with Grom on this one. So for me, um, I have a the winner as the Leafs. I mean, they got a whole bunch of players. Um, my loser is the 2022 Leafs draft. I believe that leaves them with a first and a fifth, if I'm not mistaken, or a first and a second, and then possibly future Leafs fans. They've mortgaged most of the future for winning right now. Obviously, if they win, then nobody will care. It is what it is. They're happy. Um, if they don't, there will be absolute pandemonium, especially in 2022 when Leafs fans show up to go watch the draft and they go, oh, wait, we aren't drafting this year at all. None. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, with, with Freddie Henderson going down, um, it's nice to have Riddich there. Like you said, they're getting rid of their 2022 fourth, fifth, and seventh round picks. <laughs> like... And third. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Third, yeah. So you're not leaving much to the imagination for 2022, but they're all in this year, it seems. Um, they're having a decent run, so I don't see why not. Um, so yeah, uh, the Maple Leafs win this one. I agree. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's smiling. <laughs> so I have the winners being the Leaf fans and the losers being the Leafs. But Ryan, how can you have both, you ask? Uh, it's easy fans are excited because the team is stacked they're going all in and they made the right moves without a ton of acquisition costs yeah their draft in 2022 is going to be kind of weak but they've got a huge core and probably aren't going to have to really worry about drafting they've got a ton of young talent they can't even make the team um so that's not really my issue with it 
Uh, the problem is this is the Leafs we're talking about. And I'm going to take you back to 2003 where they went out and added Owen Nolan, Glenn Wesley, Bill Housley, and Doug Gilmore to a stack group uh, that included Matt Sundin, Alex McGillney, Gary Roberts, and I believe Thomas Caberlet. The result, disaster. Three out of those four guys didn't play more than a handful of games. Doug Gilmore got hurt his first shift back. And Owen Nolan disappeared in the playoffs, and they got absolutely trounced in the first round by the Flyers. Made the, met the Flyers again the following year, and then didn't make the playoffs again until 2013. I don't want to say that this brings up those memories, but it brings up those memories. So <laughs> good luck. I got the Leafs losing this because they are cursed. I love that, Ryan. That is fantastic. I do have the Leafs winning. Because they do stack, but I do agree with Ryan as well. I do have the Leafs losing because of what he just said. They have been cursed ever since, and you know what? They don't. They don't have to play Boston this year, which is fantastic. But they're gonna have to play someone better than all these other Canadian teams, if you ask me. <laughs> well, eventually they will for sure. Uh, the last trade we got here is the Tampa Bay trades. They acquire Brian Lashoff from the Blue Jackets for a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick. And they also acquired David Savard from the Red Wings for a 2021 fourth-round pick. I'll start with Cromer on this one. Uh, I have the Lightning as a winner. Um, I mean, for a team that's pressed up against the cap, they're still able to acquire some players. And I actually have Detroit. Um, I didn't think Savard would fetch even a fourth. Um, and they get a pick just basically to be involved. Um, and again, I don't really have a loser for this. It's a good hockey move um, for everybody involved. I mean, uh, Savard, I guess, is a, is a winner because he gets to go to the Lightning. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a solid hockey move, and I don't really see have a huge problem with it. Yeah, I've got Savard being the winner. Um, he's respected in a tremendous degree with the Blue Jackets organization. I played his entire 10-year career in Columbus. He did everything they asked of him. He showed up to practice on time. Uh, he's fully aware he's going to be traded. It's not easy to lose someone like that, but uh, going to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have a good shot at making the playoffs, which they obviously will, and Columbus struggling, I think it's a good trade. And like Crom said, it's surprising they got the picks that they did, but uh, overall I think it was a really good trade. Nothing to add. I just like that uh, Breezewai is creative enough to go out and get uh, – top four defensemen with less than one million cap space and whatever numpty up in Edmonton went and got Dmitry Kulikov. So <laughs> when, yeah, it's, uh, uh, there was a ton of guys out there and, and that was the best that Edmonton could do not to, not to rag on Edmonton anymore, but yeah, nah, no losers in this one for me. Everybody got what they wanted. Savard gets to compete. Uh, Blue Jackets get a first again. Red Wings get a participation trophy and we're all happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's fantastic uh, i got nothing else to add everyone's the winner in this one i got no losers at all it, it's it's a good pickup for either team there's nothing really else to add did anybody else get really confused by this one too like i got lost i saw like, the question la- marks like Lashoff still plays for detroit but he got traded i don't i don't get it i yeah, I'm I'm a little confused by two. All I know is that I don't think Tampa Bay is paying any of Savard's contract. I think it's fifty fifty between Detroit and they pay twenty five percent because it because it goes fifty percent to Detroit and then they take fifty percent from the fifty percent. 
So they pay 25. That's quick maths. Quick maths. Great maths. <laughs> but you can't say Micah Parsons, huh? I'm good at math. I just said I couldn't read. Fuck. Mims. Mims. I'm read math. Mims. <laughs> Numbers are easier. <laughs> All right, we'll move into our, uh, our trade deadline winners. I'll be the first one to start here. Um, I've got the Detroit Red Wings because not only did they require – Jakob Vranen, or Vrana, sorry, and Anthony, oh, for Anthony Mantha, sorry. Uh, Steve Eiserman has managed to convince the Washington Capitals to throw in a first and second round pick as well. Uh, this was nice deadline work for a club that has its sights firmly set on the future and uh, arguably the best trade any club has made this season. Mr. Peniel. Oh, sorry. Not, not paying attention. That's okay. <laughs> Spaced out. Uh, <laughs> Um, do you know what? If it does pan out, I have the Leafs winning this whole ordeal of trades. If it does pan out and they make a very deep, far run, then yes, I believe they've won everything that Dubas need, need to do over the trade deadline. I don't, that, that's who I believe it is. <laughs> For me, I have, uh, I have Detroit a winner also. Um, because they were able to stockpile a bunch of picks. Um, Steve Eiserman is still a wizard. Um, I also have the Flames as a winner, not because of from here, but because they were able to pull pull off trading Bennett, getting two seconds for him, and trading Riddich for a third. I mean, Riddich is going to be no more than a backup goalie, and they still got a third round pick for him. I know lots of people kind of view him as a one B, um, but he he's a backup. He'll be a backup. They got a third for him, which is pretty good. Uh, so I have uh, the Flames as a partial winner as well. The 2021 NHL trade deadline winner is us, the fans. Oh, our podcast. Horny. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be, listen, listen. It was supposed to be super quiet with the pandemic and a flat cap and some financial uncertainty. But there were 17 trades and 26 players involved in those on April 12th. And that gave everybody something to think and talk about more than this shitty world that we live in. Um, but if you want a team, if you want a team, I have a team too. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets for me are a winner. Uh, they're not going to be a playoff team. And if they squeak in, they're going to get absolutely trounced in the first round. So good old Yarmo Kekalainen did what was best for the club, turned Nick Folino and David Savard into two first-round picks plus a third and a fourth. That's three first-rounders for them in the upcoming gr- draft. And a good restock, either either a good restock for the cupboards or potential for a bigger trade. You know, you said that I feel blessed to be a part of the trade deadline. Thank you, Ryan. As a fan, I feel truly blessed. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) I'll actually start with you on the the trade deadline loser. I definitely don't have anything corny for this. I have the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, Crom is looking uber smart with his pick of the Jets being a top team in the Scotiabank North division. Uh, but the team from the peg have a legitimate shot to get to the final four, maybe even the finals. Um, but they didn't do anything. Um, they've got a great top nine as good as any of the league and Hellebuck is having another great season. Their one area they could have used improvement. The D was bolstered by, you guessed it, nobody did, Jordy Ben. Um, there were a ton of veteran names out there. Matthias Ekholm, Josh Manson, Alex Goligoski, Eric Goodbranson, and there were a few. 
And while they would have cost more than Jamie Benn, who only garnered a sixth-round draft pick, I feel like they should be going for it here. This is the best team the Jets have had since they returned to the peg. And they should make some noise come playoff time, but there was absolutely no reason not to add a top four D. So the Winnipeg Jets, losers. For me, I have Ottawa. Um, and reasoning behind it is, did they do anything? Not much. So where you have another team who's in a full-blown rebuild in Detroit, who is able to you know, send off some players, get some picks back, Ottawa, I actually thought when they traded for Dezingle earlier in the year, I thought he would have been another deadline move. But again, they didn't move him. I think they had they have some players there who they could have traded for some higher up picks. I don't know if you're getting a first, um, but maybe you could have got a couple seconds. You could have added to uh, that draft capital and made made a couple moves, you know, to try to uh, help that team improve later on down in the future. And they didn't do a hell of a lot, so. I have Ottawa as a loser. Ottawa. 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 Okay, I have, you know, the, the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year and did absolutely goddamn nothing, the Stars, as the trade deadline losers. Uh, you've got a team who's very, very struggling, even with the pandemic hitting them like crazy. But they have a big hole in the goaltending back end right now uh, that they could have fixed. They could have they acquired Dubnik and actually helped them out quite a bit to win some of these very tight games that they have. And they absolutely did nothing. And to a team that was a Stanley Cup contending team last year, to be not even getting a whiff this year, I feel like they are the biggest losers just this trade deadline. I feel like we've beat the stick a lot, but mine was the Sabres with their hands tied with Taylor Hall, um, giving up both Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar while only having Anders Bjork and a second round pick to show for it is less than ideal. Um, I know that Hall was kind of, he was signed to that one year deal with the no trade clause. So he probably vetoed a lot of the trades, not giving them much option and he wasn't happy overall. So I still think the Sabres came out losing almost every deal that they went into. And uh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, We'll go into who should have been traded. Um, Start with myself. I've got, Sam Reinhardt um, of the Sabres, um, being the second overall pick in the 2014 draft between Aaron Ekblad and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, he's been a consistent performer on a terrible team. I think he could have gone somewhere like Pittsburgh to help out some of the aging guys like Sidney Crosby and Malkin. Um, but he, he's going to stay there. He's going to continue to do what he does on a crap team, and they're going to continue to lose, and he's going to get frustrated. You have a real hard on for the Sabres, don't you, Brian? Always. I- I think Reinhardt gets traded at draft day. I think he's going to try to play a little bit, and Buffalo is going to capitalize a little bit more on his potential and a little bit more of his trade value at draft day. I think that's one of the reasons why you didn't see a lot of these players go um, because teams are waiting until draft day to see where the cap goes. But, yeah, I think that might be one of the reasons, and I think he just fetches more around draft time because he was such a high-profile draft pick. Yeah, you could be right. Like his draft stock's not going to go down any. Like he's like I mean his uh, sorry his draft capital is not going to go down any. But he is playing for the Sabers. So. <laughs> for me, I'm surprised, and I sh- I thought he would have been traded. Would have been Giordano from the Flames. I thought he would have been traded to go to a cut contending team to finally you know like every NHL player chasing the dream to win one. And I heard a lot of rumors about Vegas looking at him. 
So I'm surprised he wasn't traded. You can still get some good assets for him. I know he's old. Uh, he's he's still a top D man for the Flames, but I thought he would be chasing that cup dream. So that's who I'm surprised he what who should have gone really. Again, I think he's one of those draft targets. I, think I don't he's... think I don't think you'll get anything for him by draft day. I think he should have pulled the pin now at the deadline rather than draft day. I think the Flames are showing that they're clinging on to some glimmer of hope that they're still going to make the playoffs this year before they tear it down to the screws. Maybe that's why you don't move Gio because you move your captain and you show to the entire team and the entire NHL that you were in full rebuild mode. But for me, I have Luke Glendening from the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Again, he's been a consummate professional with the Red Wings. He's been there for a while. Uh, He is a fantastic penalty killer, if not one of the best in the NHL currently. And in playoffs, that's what makes or breaks teams is special teams. And I think for one team, he could have been a real quality ad uh, for making that playoff push and then helping in the uh, in playoffs. And he didn't go anywhere. And again, for Detroit, maybe you could have got another higher higher round draft pick and he just he didn't move. So. I think he's one who kind of sucks not seeing go, but where, yeah, he definitely could have helped out a couple teams up at the top. Yeah. And uh, the guy that I thought would have moved was Mr. Roll up the mint rim himself, Ricard Raquel. Um, <laughs> of anyone, <laughs> of anyone on the offside offensive side perceived as available. Raquel was one of the top options. His name's been rumored for a while now, and plenty of playoff teams like the Oilers, the Panthers, the Wild could have used an upgrade. Um, it was sad not to see that kind of big move go for the Ducks. Um, how, my, how the mighty, <laughs> get it, have fallen. Uh, <laughs> I also would have liked to have seen Dustin Brown move. Um, the Kings are going nowhere fast. I think Dustin Brown is one of those great hockey guys. Um, and like uh, like Penny mentioned about Gio, it would have been nice to see him take a crack at uh, – at one more kick of the can, kind of like Carter is doing with the uh, with the pens. Um, and I also was going to talk about Sam Reinhardt, but you guys all nailed that on the head. So my pick for the guy who should have been traded and was not was Ricard Raquel. Well, another great episode down. Good job, everybody. Um, as always, we are on Instagram, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We are the Four Sportsmen, and we will see you next Monday. Peace. Bye. Bye.